When he retired in 1996, Arn Anderson thanked wrestling fans for enabling a man with, quote, average size, average strength, average speed, and average ability to have one hell of a wrestling career, end quote. In a way, Arn was selling himself short, but in another way, he was exactly right about what made him special as a performer. See, Arn Anderson had fundamentals like nobody else. He was good to great in just about every category, a consummate performer. Arn could do anything you asked of him at any position on the card, but Arn Anderson was not world champion material. He wasn't spectacular at any one thing, and to put it gently, he looked like your uncle. Even in his prime, he was pudgy and moon-faced, and he's tenaciously held on to history's least convincing comb-over since age 23. But despite that appearance and a skill set that kept him from being promoted as the best of the best, he was a truly brilliant performer. To put it in Hollywood terms, Arn was a character actor, and you had to pair him with a real star. And that's why, for a decade and a half, Arn Anderson had a codependent relationship with our old friend, Ric Flair. At Flair's side, Anderson could get a taste of the glitz and glamour that his extensive but unspectacular skill set would never bring him. But eventually, when Flair's success dried up, the longtime friends found themselves at odds. The character actor finally had a chance to shine, even brighter than the guy whose name was on the marquee. Today, on I Hate Wrestling, it's Arn Anderson, the Edward G. Robinson of professional wrestling. Of course, of course. When I was going to have a podcast about pro wrestling, who else would I have as a guest other than you, my my very good tag team partner, Jake Strange? Yes, absolutely. One half of the fictional tag team, Strange and Unusual. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, um, when are we going to get in the ring? Uh, we're going to get in the ring... At some point when we're less than, I don't know how, this is embarrassing, I don't know how many miles away we are from each other at any given time. It's probably the same amount of miles, but I don't know what that amount is. I'm bad with sort of large-scale distances. Is it is it a thousand miles? Fuck if I know. It's probably like 900. 900. Or 900 miles. We need to get opponents also. Yes, um, fortunately, I'm in about 80s tag team shape. Hang on. Uh, I'm getting a, a echo. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm sure it's fine. Okay. Uh, I, I appreciate your concern. Uh, when I get to the point where uh, I can afford some, some not bootleg, like, in-browser <laughs> recording equipment, we'll address that. Okay. But we're still in like the first five episodes here, so this is all this is all pirate radio. This is all very yes. exciting sort of underground, uh, lucha like underground. Two kids with like a uh, cassette recorder, taping off the radio. Exactly, it's that kind of feel. It's that kind of nineteen eighties feel. Which is good because that's what we're visiting today. Yes. Well, yes and no. We're looking at two of the biggest stars of the eighties kind of having a midlife crisis at each other in the mid-90s. 
that's relatable content for me. <laughs> relatable content. So we're talking about Ric Flair and Arn Anderson. Now, those are names yes. that uh, I know you're familiar with because I am constantly name-dropping the two of them, Arn Anderson specifically. But Yeah, absolutely. And I remember them from back in the day, too. Right. So I want to talk about your experience back in the day because you are not a lifelong wrestling fan, if that's, that's my understanding, right? You had yeah, some experience yeah. with the product. You dropped in. You dropped out. And now I think mostly because of my constant references to it, you've sort of developed a, a bit of nostalgia, maybe a newfound appreciation for it to some degree. Yeah, definitely being in your orbit has uh, it kind of brought me back around to it. As for these guys, I remember both Arn and Rick from when I was a kid. Um, I came in about 89 or so as a 10-year-old. Um, and kind of followed through through about the mid-90s. And so that was kind of like just after both of these guys had a had their big runs and then kind of before they came back. So I'm almost in the blind spot of these two guys. Right, which is why I thought this would be an interesting choice for you because also you are a, you are a southern boy. Oh, yeah. That's right. From Atlanta. From Atlanta. So hot Atlanta, the Georgia Dome. <laughs> Right. The Omni WCW used to run the Omni, but Flair was like the king of WCW. So you came in a little bit as he was on the uh, a career downturn, but surely the stature was still there. Right. The cachet was still there. And oh, yeah. Yeah. He was super recognizable. Yeah. Almost to the same extent as somebody like uh, Randy Savage or something. Right. In your uh, in your neck of the woods, he was absolutely on par with a Hulk Hogan or a Randy Savage. Sure. And Arn Anderson was a level or two below him, uh, sort of by design. He was Ric Flair's longtime co-conspirator, I guess you would say sidekick. The official term was the enforcer. Yeah, yeah, and I remember the Four Horsemen a bit. Yeah, the Four Horsemen were, were a big deal. But I, I'm kind of curious, obviously you have, I'm sure, stronger memories of Ric Flair than you do of Arn Anderson. Because yeah, absolutely. Um, when I was a kid you're really attracted to the, the peacocking right. at the time. And, and Arn was a really subdued guy compared to a lot of these big, <laughs> big names. You all are more like the peahen, more drab and subdued. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we were talking about this a little bit before, before we started recording, and the sort of relationship that Arn and Rick have is very... Uh, if we're going to draw a King of the Hill metaphor, which uh, we probably should... Arn Anderson is the Hank Hill and Ric Flair is the Buck Strickland, right? He's yeah. the, he's he's Flash and he's the money and he's the sizzle. And the cocaine. And the cocaine. And and Arn Arn is all the is just steak. Just a big slab of steak. Yep, just knows how to do his job. Exactly. And do it really well. Exactly. And his job was keeping Ric Flair on top. So which he yeah, did. Which he did. He did very successfully for something like ten years. And uh, boy, this is like just about the end of that 10 years. This is this is the mid-90s, and both of these guys are kind of reaching a crossroads. And I, I guess it's time now to talk about the homework that I sent you, this sort of uh, recap of the, yes. the disintegrating friendship between Ric Flair and Arn Anderson. Yeah, they really went ham-handed with that. Yeah. <laughs> as far as making uh, Rick look like a douche. Well, you don't have to work very hard to make Ric Flair look like a douche. (laughs) 
He's meeting you half, more than halfway. Like, it's just the thrust of this promo is like Arn Anderson sitting in a Anderson, South Carolina Waffle House <laughs> and Ric Flair just dashing out the back door, leaving him with a $10 check. Yes. And Arn's like, it's, it's not about the money. <laughs> right. right. Rick's just like the Cocoa Puffs bird just running out in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, dejected Arn looks on. Right. He's, he's really leaving Arn with the bag here. And you notice you don't see any of the other four horsemen. It's really just Arn and Rick at this point. Yeah, I didn't notice that. You know, to sort of use a historical narrative, like Arn is Ava Braun in the bunker at this point. Like everybody else is gone. <laughs> <laughs> it's just uh, it's just Nate, and he keeps digging himself deeper. And Arn is the only one who's still there, sort of at the end, kind of out of sheer loyalty, trying to get him to turn this shit around. You were a brother to me, right? <laughs> they they kind of hammer that home a lot too. They're like, they do. This is more than friend. These men were brothers. This is family business. Is there trouble in the family? And it's like it's not. Yes. It's not the Godfather Part Two. Like this is, this is wrestle dads having a fight, but <laughs> Arn's just so Arn looks genuinely hurt. He does. He sells that so well. Yeah, because he... I held your hair while you threw up, <laughs> <laughs> and you left me in the ring. In the ring or in the rain? Yes, both. Literally both. <laughs> in the rain of my heart. <laughs> You have to imagine, like from a realistic standpoint, uh, we've talked about uh, not you and I, but me and the and the folks out there in Radio Land, Podcast Land, have talked about Ric Flair a number of times now, and we've touched upon how Ric Flair's job was to be unbearable and to sort of make blue collar Southern people hate him, and boy is Arn Anderson's just sort of the avatar of the blue collar Southern man here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you've got preening Ric Flair and his um, feather boa just screaming and acting nuts in his bleach blonde hair. And then here's Arn, who shows up at his promo in his glasses and a fucking polo shirt. You know, he's like, well, I don't know what the problem is. Right. So he gets this <laughs> <laughs> he's, they couldn't even dress him up a little bit. Like, he's got the, he's got the, the dad glasses with the bar, like the extra bar over the bridge of the nose. <laughs> yes. Let me, uh, I mean, Arn was never a fashionable guy, but he aged into like America's gym teacher right quick. Yes. Yeah. No, looking at him in, in that promo, the shots from him at the ring where he looks like a badass. He's the enforcer. Arn fucking Anderson. And then he's just like coach Anderson. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Get off that swing. set. <laughs> They, they also touched upon a little bit in that uh, in that promo that Hulk Hogan had just come into WCW in 1994. And old fancy pants. Old fancy pants Hogan. And I was a little surprised by how openly they were like, yeah, Hulk Hogan came in and straight up emasculated Ric Flair and ruined his life. Yeah, they <laughs> just and didn't even dwell on that for that long. They're just like, he was doing great. Hulk came along, did the Hulk thing. And then Rick was kind of downhill from there forever. Yeah. Right. Well, that's, I mean, that's realistically what happened. WCW decided that they wanted to compete with WWE, and Ted Turner 
paid like however many millions of dollars to bring in Hulk Hogan. And literally, he was the shiny new toy. It was like Ric Flair is Woody in Toy Story, and he's just like old news. And they're like, well, you know, Ric Flair, you're a legend. We're not going to fire you, but we're also sure not going to make you seem as important as Hulk Hogan in any way at any point. Right. So Ric Flair, whose whole career and whose whole self-conception as a character and also as like a real person was based around being the center of attention and being the focal point of this wrestling promotion. And they took it away from him to give it to Hulk Hogan. So and how much of that do you think was Hulk? I think like just in terms of coming on was like, it's all about me, brother. I, I genuinely think that Hulk Hogan thinks that the best thing for business is to focus on Hulk Hogan. I, I just, I literally think that Hulk Hogan, when he is trying to make everybody make him the center of attention, I think he thinks he's doing the right thing because in his mind, Hulk Hogan really is the best use of everyone's time. You know what yeah, I mean? Uh, yeah. Value for it. The little Hulkamaniacs entertainment dollar. Right, right. So in Hulk Hogan's mind, why would you ever, why would you ever focus on, yeah, when Poochie's not on screen, the other characters should be asking, where's Poochie? (laughs) So Flair is suddenly the character and maybe the actual performer is sort of adrift at this point. He's got nothing to grab onto. Hulk Hogan has a stranglehold on the world title. Ric Flair can't get anywhere near it. And so he's got nothing to hang his hat on. His whole thing is, he is just eating his tail. Yeah, you know, like Ouroboros just ruining himself. Yeah, he's so. got no, he's got nowhere to go. He's he's a character that his whole value is as a champion, and we have well we have a champion. It's Hulk Hogan. So uh, I guess Rick, you can like in this video he's wrestling Alex Wright, who's just this kind of skinny beanpole German kid. Like they should never be wrestling each other. He's fucking Ric Flair. Right. But. They don't have a genuine use for Ric Flair, so he's just sort of drifting. And Arn is trying to get him back on track. He's like, at one point in that promo, he actually says, God damn it, you're Ric Flair. Why are right. you wrestling Alex Wright? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> why Why haven't you beaten this kid yet? And Flair's kind of yelling at him like, hey, help me cheat to win like the old days. And Arn's like, well, yeah, the old days are one thing, but this is Alex Wright. I shouldn't have to help you win this one. Right. He's not. He's not fucking dusty roads out here he's not sting he's not rick steamboat it's alex Wright. you should be able to win Pin me sir <laughs> so is is turning on arn really the most exciting thing rick could do at this point well i think so but it's also arn kind of turning on rick arn is the only person around him so whatever he's doing is going to hurt Arn. You know, he's self-destructing and Arn is trying to keep it from happening, so he's kind of self-destructing all over Arn. I think it's a very kind of sad and realistic storyline. Yeah, when you put it that way. Yeah, because Arn is the only guy who's kind of trying to keep things together, but it's not happening. At some point, have to be like, okay, well, Arn, I know your whole thing is supporting Ric Flair, but it's not working. You, you, you gotta have to, you know, cut the cord at this point. Him. Right, you're enabling him. So they kind of have this this big blow-up, and they both go in different directions, where Arn is like, I have, to, I have to stand up to Ric Flair, and Ric Flair, his approach is to say, well, you're fucking Arn Anderson. What do you know about jack shit? I'm Ric Flair. The fact that his closest confidant 
is finally turning against him and calling him out on all this shit is kind of driving him to this point of insanity where he's like, well, who are you to say anything? Because I'm a million times better than you and I always have been. And that's driving Arn to a point to say, well, okay, but how much of your success was because I was there watching your back? Right. Is that, is that the lesson Rick wants to teach him in this promo? <laughs> I think... Just that I'm better... Yeah, I think, I think he's trying to assert dominance over Arn Anderson because right. it's a kind Shut of... Shut up and know your place. Right, it's a desperate attempt to reassert some kind of, uh, some kind of status quo. Sure. Because if nothing else, like, he could trust that Arn would be his subordinate, and now Arn is standing up to him. So, for fuck's sake, if he can't put Arn in his place, then it's, it's all over. Okay, yeah, so he's just trying to hold this last thread together. Right, and meanwhile, Arn is sort of seeing light for the first time, where he's thinking, could I beat Ric Flair? I think I might be able to beat Ric Flair. Like, at least this version of Ric Flair. Yeah, and if he can, he kind of needs to so he can move on, yeah? Right, it, this this okay. needs to happen, so Ric Flair can either get his shit together and move on, or Arn right. can sort of move on as an independent being, yeah. not beholden to Ric Flair. And it seems like Arn really wants Rick to get it together. He does. But failing that, he's like, well, I need this to kind of be able to do my own thing. Right. What Arn wants, Arn wants to be able to, uh, you know, get in the limo and go to the next town and uh, break Dusty Rhodes' ankle with a baseball bat or whatever <laughs> and, uh, and have Rick pay for champagne afterwards. Like, that's what Arn wants, but... Rick can't do that right now. So barring that, you know, it's unfamiliar territory for both of them. We should also talk for a minute about what you sort of, I mean, what do you, what do you expect from this match? Well, from what I know, and remember, they're both very good wrestlers. Yes. Um, so I really am expecting to see a, a very good technical match. Um, probably a lot of back and forth. Uh, Rick's probably going to fight dirty if he has to. Hart's going to keep it clean. Probably for his for his pride. That's what I expect. I have no idea how this match works out. So, right. Well, you make an excellent point because both of these guys are historically villains. Yeah. So, if either one of these guys was in there against, say, Dusty Rhodes, you'd both expect them. You'd expect them both to cheat. Sure. Or at least uh, take shortcuts. Yep. Ric Flair was well known as the dirtiest player in the game. Ric Flair back in the day could trounce your Alex Wrights or your Dusty Wolfs or your, I don't know, your George Souths pretty reliably. But if he was going to beat a Ricky Steamboat or a Barry Windham or something like that, he was going to cheat. Yep. Uh, usually because of interference from somebody like Arn Anderson. Right. <laughs> and what I kind of took away from this, this promo in particular, is that uh, Arn's not coming into it dirty. He, he has so much respect and, and genuinely love for this guy that he just wouldn't do it. You, you, you get that Arn has some sense of honor right. about it. And Rick, you just don't. You just, it's flat lines if you examine that part of Rick Flair. Right, because for Arn Anderson, it's about self-realization, right? Yes. He wants to prove that he's every... Yeah, yeah, or at least that he's or, every bit the wrestler that Rick Flair is. Yes. And Rick Flair hasn't ever really been concerned with proving he's every bit the wrestler somebody else is. Ric Flair's concerned no. with winning. And the stakes are too high for Ric Flair to let it 
happen if he can help it. Right. Ric Flair's not going to lose this match. He can't lose this match. Not right. not against this guy and not at this point in his career. Yeah, he'd be losing everything. Yeah, he's already basically lost everything. At this point, if he loses to Arn Anderson, it's all over for him. With that in mind, I expect Rick to just throw himself into it. And Arn's good. Arn's going to fight him hard. He's either going to capitalize on any hesitation or he's just going to get dirty if he's got to. That's an excellent uh, that's an excellent prediction. I think you'll I think you'll be uh, pleasantly surprised by what we're uh, by what we're going to see. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it. All right. So do you do you have your uh, the playlist that I sent you queued up? I do. In three, two, one, go. All right. So we see. All right. Here we are. We're at Fall Brawl '95, and we saw uh, your friend and mine, Bobby the Brain Heenan. Yes. And Tony Schiavone on commentary. Uh, Arn's coming out here, in his sort of satin windbreaker. <laughs> Uh, what do you think Arn Anderson's theme song sounds like? We can't hear it right now, but if you had to guess. Um, I mean, it, I, it looks like a truck revving. <laughs> it would just be his theme song. It just comes out to, like, industrial noise, like a sawmill. <laughs> it's like the, the Flintstones toot toot quitting time horn. <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> you gotta love an era where, I mean, if this were today, Arn Anderson would shave his head, right? Oh yeah, it would be a really good decision. Yeah, but he's not—he's not letting it happen. No. Uh, the answer to the question, by the way, is Arn Anderson's theme song is like, uh, like a bootleg Dodge Ram truck commercial soundtrack. <laughs> now, Rick Flair's I know. That's the uh, the two thousand one Space Odyssey. Theme. Yes. Uh, <laughs> also, Sprock Zarathustra. That's right. By Richard Strauss. Very good. Yeah. You're on top of it. I am, and already let's so much fire, so much, so much fireworks. Right, so much pomp and this... circumstance. Let's talk. Let's talk about a just a visual contrast between these two gentlemen. They could not be more different. Right. Um, here's a very flammable Ric Flair with his peroxide. <laughs> Is that hair. Jeff Foxworthy in the crowd? Yeah, <laughs> looks like him. Well, it is it is mid nineties Atlanta. He's basically the mayor, right? Yeah, oh God, yeah, <laughs> inescapable. So yeah, I mean, look oh, at they the, have two rings pushed stitched together like a, a hotel. Bed. <laughs> In case things get frisky later on. Yes. Well, actually, this is uh, I don't know if you remember War Games. No. Okay, so War Games was like the ultimate feud-ending death battle match in WCW, and that's when they would push two rings together and put a giant cage over both rings, and Uh-oh. you would have a staggered entry team match, Okay. and it could only be won by submission. Who are these guys? That's uh, the American... That's the American Males and uh, uh, Flying Brian Pillman. That's Big Bubba Rogers uh-huh. and Colonel Parker. What um, time leaving the arena we got behind uh brian pillman's truck <laughs> so here's brian pillman There's sitting in the cab alex wright and, and eddie his, guerrero yes and uh his license plate says flying b <laughs> in case you were curious <laughs> uh so i think the reason that they showed the wrestlers in the crowd was to yes. show that not only are the fans invested in this everybody wants to see how this is going to play out including the people who work here 
that makes sense. Okay, we got some smack talking going on. Right. And Rick, I love that he, he's that sort of high step and jog that he does to start things out. Yes. And Rick is going right to the well with his sort of traditional theatrics, which you, you have to question because the one guy who's seen every Ric Flair match other than Ric Flair is Arn Anderson. That, yeah, that makes sense. He's got, what can he pull out? Right. What is he going to, what is he going to do that Arn hasn't seen before? So, do, do modern wrestlers have physiques like the, these guys anymore? No, not at all. Oh, look yeah, at I that! I think so. Oh, <laughs> oh, Ar- he's getting in his hair. And oh, he, that was just taunting him. And he lets off a woo. <laughs> <laughs> just to let him know. Just to let him know that whatever he thinks Arn is, he's not unprepared. Arn looks like he's ready to let it go. Still. Yeah. At this point, just apologize. Yeah, just I'm not asking you to. I'm not. I'm not asking for the ten dollars back, Rick. <laughs> he really should have shaved his head. He really should have, but you know what? I think it. You know, I think it adds to the mystique somewhat. He wouldn't be so of his era if he just shaved his head. That's true. And it is a solar panel for a classic wrestling machine. <laughs> it absolutely is. And right now, he's just taking it to Ric Flair. And he is. He's... <laughs> just pushing him around. Oh, it's slapping him. Oh, that was a big one. And he slaps him, and Flair falls just falls Honestly, right on his ass and spills to the floor. So at this point, we know Flair's is... shaking. <laughs> Rick, what are you doing? <laughs> trying to get away. Yep, and of course, he's going to start screaming at the people in the front row. Oh, yeah. They're getting in his face. They're doing the little chicken dance. Oh. Oh. So, at this point, I think Rick realizes that he's not going to be able to play this cool. Right. It's he's kind of already lost that gamut. Yeah, he can't. He can't intimidate Arn. He can't psych Arn out. So, in a way, he has to compete in a vacuum, right? His Arn is in control. Arn is in control, and Ric Flair's. His history, Ric Flair has been world champion like 38 times at this point. Arn was never world champion ever. But, you know, on paper, you would say Ric Flair is the favorite. But because Arn knows him so well, they're really wrestling in a vacuum. Yep, that makes sense. <laughs> some trading there. Oh. And Arn has, uh, has taken him down and just immediately started grinding that limb. And... Arn Anderson was famous for his limb work, which... So is he just going to create one weakness and just pound it? That's what he does. Okay. <laughs> Another slap, just sort of knocking Flair on his ass. But yeah, that's what we could expect from Arn Anderson. He's going to wrestle this like any other match he's ever wrestled, which is, you know, sort of not flashy, unspectacular, but very effective. He's chosen one of Ric Flair's arms, and he's going to grind that thing into the dirt. And... He has the, just going to get desperate. Yeah. He's already getting there. Right. So Arn has one advantage over Rick now, which is that, well, he, he probably has two because, you know, I said Arn Anderson has seen every Ric Flair match. Do you think Ric Flair was watching Arn Anderson's matches? No, he was getting high. He was, he was, right. he was snorting 18 pounds of cocaine backstage. <laughs> he wasn't coming out to support Arn, so Arn might have some tricks that Flair doesn't know about. But also... Arn 
has the luxury of being able to wrestle the style that he wants, whereas Flair can't wrestle the style that he wants. Right, and what does he have to fall back on? Right. He's going to have to just... Uh, here, he was able to take Arn down, try to, to wrestle him, and Arn immediately Arn's reverses it. Right over. Yeah. And... Still on that arm. And again, yeah, the arm. And it's such a boring strategy, but it makes perfect sense. If you if you hurt a guy's arm, how's he supposed to grapple you? And this is a strategy that Arn used against, uh, you know, whatever jobber he was fighting on WCW Saturday Night. It's the same strategy that he's using here against one million time world champion Ric Flair, and it's always effective. Right, and it's not high flying theatrics, but it works. Exactly. Speaking of high flying, here's uh, here's Brian Pillman appearing very interested in the match. Uh, now, Flying Brian had uh, something of a low-key rivalry with Ric Flair sort of heading into this match. And he was one of the guys that Arn was sort of saying that Ric Flair should have been able to beat, given his, uh, his pedigree. Who do you think these guys are behind in this match? You got to imagine that the, uh, that the, you know, the wrestlers in the crowd that keep showing, you got to imagine they're on Team Arn, right? Yeah. I Arn mean, is wrecking that arm. Arn is wrecking that arm. That's what he. That's what he does. Arm Anderson. Arm Anderson. <laughs> well, you know, Arn, the uh, the Anderson cousins, a a family of fictional wrestling cousins, uh, were known as the Minnesota Wrecking Crew. Huh. Because even though Arn Anderson is the most Georgian man you've ever seen in your life, <laughs> he was originally billed as being from Minnesota, hence the name Arn Anderson. Well, you know, he really kind of fits in either place. I live in Wisconsin now, <laughs> and dudes look like him in both places. <laughs> Just lousy with these guys, huh? Yep. Arn's everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Flair just hit one of his, his signature chops, which is the first... Yeah, he needed it at, he, right there. Yeah, and that's the first time that he's kind of had Arn reeling. And now he's kicking Arn in the leg. Now this is Flair's. Uh, this is Flair's chosen strategy, which is and to he's take. He's strutting around. He's strutting. Yeah, he's. Arn just stays at it. Right. And Rick's like taking even a little tiny little it, it moment to strut. Yeah, I think because Ric Flair, if so much of this match, from Ric Flair's perspective, is about getting to a place where he feels comfortable and getting to a place where things feel right. So as soon as he starts to feel in control, he slips back into his habits of not taking Arn seriously. Yeah, that point of disrespect is kind of going to come back and well right here. Yeah, it's... So far... And that's Arn's whole thing is you need to take me seriously. Right. <laughs> now, you said Arn isn't much for high flying, but he just came off the ropes and and nailed Flair in the shoulder with a flying knee, and now he's right back to that arm. That is a thick dude, too. You don't want him flying at you. No. I, this is That was one of my favorite Arn Anderson moves. Oh, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> Ric Flair tried to do his signature move, which is, you know, on hands and knees, begging, please, please, please don't, don't, hit me. don't hit me. And then when they go to hit him, he pokes him in the eye or something. 
but of course, Arn has seen this eight million times, so he just kicked him in the face. Didn't bite. <laughs> Didn't bite. I expect and... Arn's moves to be named after breakfast foods. <laughs> he, he's, he, I guess he does kind of have a, uh, a Ron Swanson vibe to him. Yeah, a little. A little bit. And now look at this. This is such a great move. He's got Ric Flair in uh, sort of Man. a double chicken wing, and it's not a spectacular pin, but if Flair is trying to just get a shoulder up, he's tearing one of his shoulders out of its socket. Yeah, that looked horribly painful. <laughs> not spectacular, but once again, Flair tries to hit those chops, and Arn just... And Arn's a big dude. He's just laying on this shit and cranking on it. I know, and we can't hear the audio at this point but the fans are going nuts for this sort of meat and potatoes onslaught from Arn Anderson. Is that normal for him and the fans? No. Arn is Arn has almost always been a villain. So normally he'd be doing this like grinding Ricky Steamboat's arm into the ground and people would be like how dare you Ricky Steamboat is a lovely man with a beautiful wife and a and a, a talented son. <laughs> a beautiful multiracial family. How dare you do this? And, but because Arn is sort of doing his mean-spirited limb work in the service of self-actualization, people are like, yeah, good for you, Arn. This is, how, what percentage of his moves have been arm moves this match so far? I would say a, a solid 85% of his moves. Yeah. And it's just a focused assault. And yeah, insanely focused. I don't think I've seen anything like this in recent memory. No, this is... And just imagine Ric Flair dying a million deaths in here. You, you this have, is how you wrestle in a video game. Yeah, <laughs> this is, this is like how you wrestle you smart. They don't wrestle on TV like this anymore. No. <laughs> well, actually, it's funny that you mention that because there's a tag team uh, called The Revival out right now who sort of look like the sons of Arn Anderson. And they, and they wrestle like the sons of Arn Anderson, too. A little, a little faster. A little faster pace. <laughs> a little trunk grab. Yeah, he... Shop, he but he, he's back on the ropes. Yeah, he grabbed Arn by the trunks. <laughs> okay. Okay, so right here, Ric Flair has, has finally sort of outsmarted Arn Anderson. And he was Where able... Was that? When you, you Right, so he was able to outsmart Arn Anderson by sort of suckering Arn into thinking that he was going to fall for a move. It was a sort of a double-layered gambit. And now, Ric Flair is going off the top rope to the floor, sort of a la Macho Man Randy Savage. And you can see, at this point, Ric Flair realizes if he wants to win this match, he's going to have to step way outside his comfort zone. This is probably one of the only times that Ric Flair has ever successfully completed a move off the top rope. That was pretty impressive, too. That was a big hammer. Yeah. Rick, one of Ric Flair's signature moves is climbing to the top rope and getting thrown off. <laughs> that happened in every Ric Flair match between, like, I don't know, 1980 and 2000. <laughs> so, at this point, Rick is wrestling a smart match. Or at least he's wrestling... Uh, but he's just walking. He's peacocking. Yeah, but at this point, 
it's uh, he can rest now because he was letting Arn get back into the ring. He snapped Arn's neck there against the against the ropes. So at this point, Rick actually is in control. I think I think it's safe to say that he can get away with a little bit of peacocking at this point. Sure. And now he's just kicking Arn while he's down. As you uh, and then shoving the referee away, just <laughs> grinding his face or his boot on Arn's face. And as you suggested, yeah, Rick at this point is uh, is getting to that point where he's going to do anything to win this match. He's kind of like skirting the the rules of niceness so far. Yeah, he hasn't gone completely dirty. No, he hasn't gone completely dirty because at this point, I think, although he did just uh, move his knee pad down before he dropped the knee on Arn's forehead. <laughs> but it seems like he's committed to being shitty. Well, yes. Yeah. I mean, that's if Ric Flair was going to run for office, that would be his <laughs> slogan. Ric Flair <laughs> committed to being shitty. But but here he is actively cheating now. He's putting his Put feet on, on the ropes. ropes for extra leverage. Yelling at somebody at ringside. His, I don't know what he was saying. Historically speaking, he's usually saying shut up, fat boy. <laughs> so he's crossed the threshold officially now. Yeah. Taking it back to him, though. Yeah, that's something that we haven't seen from Arn Anderson before because I don't know if you know this, but when you become a heroic pro wrestler, you have access to like a bunch of second wins that you wouldn't normally have. Right. <laughs> that are dependent on people liking you. <laughs> if you're a pro wrestler, people liking you gives you superhuman stamina. <laughs> also true in video games. Yes. Video games. Video games. That's a video game. Oh. Oh. Now, the, that was... Ref, what, the, what the fuck was that? <laughs> so, and I like Ric Flair shaking his head. No, I didn't punch him in the dick. No, I didn't do it. <laughs> so I think what happened there was that Arn was going to hit him with a closed fist, which is technically illegal. So the referee stopped him. <laughs> the one time. The one time. <laughs> no closed fists is the most selectively enforced rule in pro wrestling history. <laughs> I didn't even know that was a thing. If that tells you anything. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's enforced when it needs to be enforced, which means it's never enforced in any like Stone Cold Steve Austin match ever because they would all right. be over in two seconds. There's a guy who did not work the arm. It was just like, ding, 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 30 punches directly to the dome. <laughs> Uh, I recorded an episode the other day, the uh, the old timey British wrestling, right? Yes. And in that one, they really got into the psychology of what kind of strikes are illegal. So, like you saw Ric Flair just like denying that he punched Arn in the dick. Yes. This guy, um, he very clearly hit like a you know a European uppercut, like the the bicep uppercut. Yeah. He hit one of those, and then he hit, like, a cross chop, and then he hit a Mongolian chop, and then he very clearly pulled the guy's hair back and just delivered a straight closed fist uppercut to the jaw, and the referee was like, yo, what the fuck? And he pantomimes, like, no, it was a karate chop. (laughs) (laughs) Which, the body position was wrong, like, none of it made any sense. (laughs) The guy's, like, dead. 
Yeah. <laughs> no. No, it was an it was an open palm strike. So we we talked over uh, we talked over Arn getting suplexed on the outside. Yeah, there was some back and forth there outside the ring. And and Rick had Rick sort of took advantage. Now Rick's throwing these big. Uh, uh, there you see the referee telling Rick, "Hey, oh, watch yeah. those okay. closed fists." But of course, Rick is the bad guy, so he gets a verbal warning instead of the referee physically grabbing his hand <laughs> to stop him, pushing him away. <laughs> right. Now Rick Flair always had a beautiful vertical suplex. That was very impressive. Yeah, it's it's just very clean. Good hang time too. Yeah. So Rick uh, Rick dropped him on that vertical suplex, but now he's. I think wasn't expecting. To, to wrestle the match this hard, so he's he's a little bit winded. Well, these are not young guys either. either. No, that's true. You know, uh, one, epi- one episode we did a Ric Flair-Terry Funk match that was, I think, six years before this, and you see the difference in Ric Flair physically is just incredible. Sure. The, you know, your 40s hit you hard. <laughs> well, he's very slowly transitioning here into, like, the old Ric Flair I, I know from more recently. Okay. Where he's kind of like flabby and. We're gonna pause for for just one second because I got sure. a T-Mobile commercial here. Oh okay. Um, from the end of uh the beginning of part three. Okay. All right, so. We'll just start over with part three. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let me know when you're uh when you're ready. Ready when you are. Okay. In three, two, one. So yeah, Ric Flair is no spring chicken, and he he never had the greatest physique, but he did always have very impressive uh, stamina. He wrestled a million one-hour draws. Like Ric Flair was the king of the one-hour draw, just barely, barely keeping his title by time limit draw. That was his big move. So Rick went for a big punch there, and that was a quick scoot. Yeah, Arn got out of the way, and he smashed his hand. Again, the same hand that Arn's been the, the same arm slash hand that Arn's been working the whole match, and now here's Arn getting just as cheap as Ric Flair dragging his face across that rope. Which those things get real slick with sweat. So if you drag somebody's eyes across that rope, yeah, that's a mean move. And now here's uh, again grinding his face. Yeah, I think Arn looks like he's had enough. Yeah. Arn, uh, Rick had enough of this match being a close fight, and I think Arn has had enough of this fight, period. Yeah, just of Rick's shit. Yep. So this is like the third time that Rick is, is has tried that move. <laughs> oh! So Arn just went for his DDT. Rick grabbed onto the ropes Arn smacked his own head on the mat on the way down, and then Rick fell on his own face just out of sheer exhaustion. (laughs) So, at this point, Rick again is going sort of outside his comfort zone by going to the top rope, and it doesn't pay off because... Oh, a little taint grab there. Yeah, Arn hurled him to the mat by the taint, signature move like you said (laughs) and he he hits Ric Flair with his own sort of uh, knee drop with the uh, with the pad removed 
He goes to the well himself. Both of these guys are just doing shit they've never done before going up top. And Arn blocks the figure four leg lock. I have never oh, wow. seen this before. I've seen people get out of it. And Rick uh, just thinks he's going to town. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is Ric Flair's uh, signature move, the figure four leg lock. He's, so one he's trying to close it out here. Yeah. He's trying to get the towel. Yeah. Now, he's he's already successfully countered Arn's, Arn's finishing move, which is the DDT. So Arn tried to block Rick's move, the figure four leg lock, and he was able to. Uh, Rick just punching him in the knee. <laughs> Are those closed fists? God. Get on that shit, ref. And spitting in Arn's face, but oh, Arn's got his star power. Yeah, Arn's got his uh his sort of disrespect superpowers. Yes. And now I don't know if you know this about the figure four leg lock, but if you <laughs> if you roll over, it quote unquote reverses the pressure. Right. <laughs> and that somehow causes I don't know an undue amount of pressure on Ric Flair's hamstrings. That was 30 very still seconds of this match. <laughs> right, but you can see Arn's body language, like his uh, his legs are done. Right. And now Ric Flair, is he smells blood, and he's gonna he's Ooh. just going to keep working those legs until he can get that hold back on him. But Rick is himself very, uh, very winded. And Arn goes for a cradle out of the out of the figure four, but Rick gets out. And again, just picking the bones here, Ooh. destroying. So they're just they just both want to be done at this point. It looks like. Yeah, Rick is like, yeah, it's fine. We've been friends for thirty years. I'll fucking destroy your knees. <laughs> I love these short kind of jabs that Ric Flair will do. They remind me of, like, old-time Hollywood fight choreography. Yes. Oh, that's... This never happens, but it's such a good idea. Like, you throw somebody, and they can't even run because you've hurt their legs. And here's Flying Brian on the, uh... on the apron. (laughs) (laughs) And... Flying Brian, and one, oh, two, and three, and Arn hits the DDT for three, yep. and Arn has picked up the win. So let's talk about this at the end here. Uh, Flying Brian is up on the apron because he's pissed that Rick is trying to destroy Arn Anderson's knees. We we mentioned that uh, Flying Brian had sort of a uh, a pre-existing beef with Ric Flair, and. He's Everybody's really unhappy. Look at that crowd. <laughs> Colonel Tom is very happy. Well, by the <laughs> by the end of the match, sort of everybody was you know, it became like a a, a babyface babyface match because the crowd realized that they liked both of these guys and they were seeing both of these guys at their best. Even though when you're seeing Ric Flair at his best, you're also seeing him at his worst. Right. But that's the character, you know, and and I think people were maybe disappointed that they didn't get to see a clean finish. 
Yeah. I can't imagine either guy being happy with that interference. Right. But that gives a... That gives us a... That gives us cause for a rematch. That gives us the next place to go in the story. So you would say, okay, well, Arn Anderson won, but it looked like Flair might have been able to, you know, was about to win, maybe. Arn's legs were in bad shape. But then at the same time, how many matches did Ric Flair win because Arn Anderson caused a distraction? Right. It's very poetic justice. And uh, I don't know if you're seeing the same thing I am, which is the uh, steel cage match between the two of these guys happened at some point. That's, no, that didn't, it didn't move on from there. Okay, well, that's, that's sort of the next, the next logical step, right? You've, you've had these two guys <laughs> face off, and the match ends out of outside interference. So what do you do? You put them in a cage. So and now I want to see that. <laughs> see? It works. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing what happens when you, te- you, you, you say... Well, here's two characters. They have very clear motivations. We're going to put them in the ring together, and some stuff's resolved, some stuff isn't. Want to see what happens next? Uh, usually, yeah. That was a pretty intense match, too. That was fun to watch. It was fun. It was fun to watch. And I, I love, I just love how successful Arn Anderson's very basic strategy was. Because that is. Step one, that is the number one pro wrestling strategy, which is, well, pick a body part and work it. It was enough to beat the most decorated wrestling champion in history. Well, and he was like a surgeon with it, too. Yes, he absolutely was. He absolutely was. Arn, uh, it wasn't pretty, but it was effective. Same arm, same every time. Yep. So, Which against, like, Ric Flair, you're like, that's impressive to just be able to nail it like that right rick flair one of the one of the all-time greats right did nobody else ever think hey what if i just hurt his arm real bad (laughs) (laughs) well i mean if you think about it arn anderson isn't rick flair's traditional opponent rick flair's traditional opponent is a very sort of fiery white meat baby face you know they're more concerned with putting on a good show and like hey what if i got rick in the corner and i stood up on the ropes and punched him and i let everybody count to 10 with me and Arn was like, "Well, no, I think maybe I'll just I'll just hurt his arm real bad." <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I feel like if I got in the corner, he might just like squirrel out from under me and, and like uppercut me in the dick. I feel like if I keep, <laughs> I feel like if I just keep grinding that shoulder, eventually it's gonna hurt him real real bad. <laughs> well, I think if under normal circumstances, Rick would have sent Arn out to deal with Arn. Yes. <laughs> Like just no, fuck this. Yeah, go deal with that beefy asshole. I don't want. <laughs> right. I'll meet you with the cocaine in the green room. Right. A dinner plate full of cocaine for Rick, and I guess like uh, like Black Forest ham on Wonder Bread for Arn. <laughs> <laughs> some grits. Some some grits. Some grits. Some uh, yeah, a newspaper. Yeah, a, new- <laughs> a newspaper. <laughs> Hey, Rick, you ever think about your investments? (laughs) Responsible friend Arn Anderson. (laughs) Well, he is. He is. That's what this whole match was about. The whole thing is Arn Anderson is the dad friend here. (laughs) You're messing up, and I'm going to shake you. Straighten up or fly right, the match. (laughs) To Rick fucking Flair. Right. (laughs) Get your shit together, Rick. Like, 
Rick has nowhere to go from here, Arn. Where do you? What yeah. delusion are you under? Right, like it's we get well. His plan is, I guess, we're gonna get you know gonna get Rick back on track, and then we're gonna shoot Hulk Hogan in the chest with a shotgun. And then it'll be just like it was back in the 80s. <laughs> because even if he gets Ric Flair back on track, there's the very existential threat of Hulk Hogan looming You're over these the two guys. The yeah. You're on the track at the end. That's it. Yeah. Right? You know, I, I said before, uh, you know, we were talking about uh, Poochie, and there's another Simpsons metaphor that I wanted to, uh, I wanted to knock together here. Which is, you remember the episode with Frank Grimes? Yes. Frank Grimes, and the whole conceit of that episode was, what if you were like a real, regular person, and Homer Simpson was your co-worker? Yes. And the conceit of this match is, or this storyline is, what if you were like a regular, normal person, but Ric Flair was your best friend? (laughs) 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 Because, like, they're beloved fictional characters in a vacuum, where you're like, oh man, Homer Simpson's great, Ric Flair is such a dynamic character. But then you imagine, like, having to deal with them? Can you imagine trying to coordinate renting a car with Ric Flair? Oh, it's like Hulkamania versus actual mania. (laughs) Hulk's like, I'm putting on a show, brother. But Rick is, that's real. That's all neck veins and fucking, woo! Yeah, I mean, there's a reason that that Ric Flair has been bankrupt 87 times. (laughs) Ric Flair's living the gimmick for real, and I feel like... I feel like this was the point where it started to become untenable. Yeah. Well, like you said, like just renting a car with him, like he's unreliable. Right. Right. Like Ric Flair, they're, they're like in their early forties at this point. And I, you imagine Arn just wants to have a couple of beers and go back to the hotel and, you know, maybe stop at Arby's. (laughs) He likes those curly fries. And meanwhile, Rick wants to fucking drive the rental car into a lake. (laughs) Rick, no. Rick. They got the (laughs) Jamoka. So that's that's Ric Flair versus Arn Anderson. That was awesome. That was a really good match. Really good rivalry. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it makes you, uh, it's, it's a match nobody thought they would see. And, you know... This is this is what you were missing, while you were uh, while you were sort of, uh, I think you said getting really into teen sex and Dungeons and Dragons. Yep. <laughs> At the same time, however improbable. <laughs> I mean, so. This is uh this is what was this is what you missed this is what was, <laughs> what the other half was doing, <laughs> this is how the other well, half was living. I would still kind of flip on the you know, a Raw or something, just every now and then, see what was going on. And usually it was Undertaker. My, like, memory of that time is just, like, Undertaker just breathing into the camera. Yeah. And Or uh, Hollywood Hogan freaking out about something. Um, <laughs> but I don't know if I would have stopped to watch this match if I just run across it. Because it's like, oh, well, he's just laying on him. He's not really doing anything. Right, it's a very it's a very adult match that we just watched. This match wasn't necessarily for kids, and I don't <laughs> well, mean that, that's funny, but that makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's I, I don't mean to say that there was a you know adult content here, 
in this match. <laughs> like, it wasn't terribly violent, and there were, you know, it was pretty chaste for anything involving Ric Flair, honestly. But there were no Muppets. There were no Muppets. <laughs> but, yeah, there wasn't a lot for, for kids or, like, casual fans to get in on. This match was for people who've been following the careers of Ric Flair and Arn Anderson for, low these many years. Yeah. And you sort of needed the context of their friendship sort of disintegrating, as well as the context of Ric Flair's sort of professional and personal descent into hell. <laughs> But yeah, it's a it's as a as a time capsule of two guys at a crossroads. It's fascinating. It is. It was really good to watch with that context. Yeah, and one of the great things that you can do, going back years later, is to not remember the shitty thing that they did to ruin the great thing that they did. <laughs> because what they did after this was they made Arn into the heel and gave him. Uh, Flying Brian as his Arn Anderson, and they made Ric Flair into the babyface, which makes no fucking sense, given the story that they've been telling. What a setup! What a rotten setup! <laughs> right. <laughs> right, that's like we're telling this beautiful story, and then oops, uh, how about uh, how about a shit sandwich instead? Would you like a shit sandwich? <laughs> well, and I remember Flying Brian, um, you know, from my time, and not. With all due respect, who the fuck is flying Brian Pillman next to these two guys getting in the middle of their shit? Right. He's... Like, I can't even think of somebody else appropriate. Well, I guess, like, Tully Blanchard, right? Arn Anderson's longtime tag team partner, or, you know, even somebody like Sting, right? Who is, uh, yeah. who is a rival of the Four Horsemen. And, of course... We had we had Arn Anderson versus Ric Flair with Fry, with Flying Brian sort of on the periphery, and all of that turned out to be an even longer con to beat up Sting. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. It seemed it seemed really inserting himself where he did not belong in this situation. So to continue that seems like a mistake. Right. There were a, there are a million other ways you could uh, you could handle that. I, I like the idea of the match ending because of Ric Flair being a dick to somebody else, sort of spilling over into this sure. rivalry. That makes sense. That makes poetic sense, especially because Arn takes advantage of Ric Flair being distracted in exactly the way that Ric Flair did so many times. That's all good, but then to take Flying Brian and make him sort of a co-conspirator with Arn from the start is kind of kind of shitting just a big old big old Zeppelin of shit on this parade. Yeah, it's fucking with the narrative where it didn't need fucked with. No, the narrative was perfectly serviceable and it didn't need to go there. But here we are. Yeah, just in the continuing soap opera, you got to weave all these threads, and yeah, you're yeah. not all going to be winners. Right, it's like, <laughs> it, it strikes me as the same thing as, as, as comic books, right, where you you got to have another story next month. Right. So you'll come up with a great story, you know, maybe you, you kill a beloved character, there's this great moment, and then a couple of months later, or a couple of years later, another writer comes along, and they're like, huh, 
I always like the Blue Beetle. I'm going to bring him back from the dead. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's it's kind of hard for for wrestling to stay to keep its power if you if you look at it sort of as this unending narrative. It works much better if you look at these things contextually and as sort of self-contained stories and moments. This is a wonderful moment, but it's also uh, a chapter in a long and not necessarily sensical story. Yeah, that makes total sense. This is a great moment, a nonsensical throughline. Yeah, yeah, and that's pretty and much what else is pro wrestling but a nonsensical throughline. Right. Honestly. Um, any other thoughts about Ric Flair, about Arn Anderson, about Hank Hill, about Buck Strickland? <laughs> well, this was a really great moment in two guys that I didn't know that much about, kind of knew more about their broad stroke characters. Yes. But, so this was cool. This was a really good insider, like, kind of look at their relationship. Yeah. Which I probably wouldn't have gotten without the setup and guidance. Yeah, so you do need you do need the context, uh, right. I think. But that's true for uh, any match, almost really. Yeah, it's very right. it's very rare that you can just have two guys get into the ring and they're like, "All right, well, we're gonna have a fucking amazing match, and that's it." And, and it does right. happen. It does happen, but it's got to be a hell of a match. Not not to say yeah, that this wasn't, but. This definitely, without this storyline, without this pre-existing relationship, the the match becomes much less interesting. Like you, yeah, like you said, it was a, a very adult match. Yes. And one that becomes great through the the story, which is kind of a poignant point about this whole podcast and wrestling in general, I suppose. Yeah, it's a it's a narrative art form, and uh, that's that's what I'm trying to get through to folks. Yeah, I get it. Kind of t- takes me back in enjoyment. Takes you, it takes you back to that smoke-filled arena, eating your cotton candy and watching the Rock and Roll Express. I guess. <laughs> uh, Demolition was in that. Uh, Demolition, <laughs> yes, was at WrestleMania Five. I want to say against Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. I believe that is correct. The Brainbusters, managed by yeah, the Brainbusters, managed by Robert the Brain Heenan. Um, and I looked at guys like Demolition and thought. I can grow up and be a wrestler no matter what happens to my body. <laughs> and I see now that that is just not true. <laughs> so, you know, I have, uh, I have one additional question for you, sure. which is the question that I ask all my guests. And that is if you were going to be a wrestler and you couldn't be demolition, if you couldn't be demolition jinx, <laughs> what would your character be? I'm going to tell you, what I've never told anybody, who, which was my my ten year old uh, dream character that okay, I wanted to be. Hey, I'm so excited. I wanted to be the Golden Boy. <laughs> <laughs> and they would shower like gold glitter and shit. And if gold we trust would be my whole thing. I don't know where the fuck I came up with this. That was my whole thing. That's who I wanted to be. The Golden Boy. Yeah. You should have. See? Sounds good. You should have had a like an old time prospector as your manager. Oh my god! Yes. <laughs> he, he, 
He found you. Yeah, Whistling (laughs) Jim. I found him in a stream. (laughs) Carries a pickaxe to the ring. Yes. Whistling Jim, you cannot hit people with that. Whistling Jim has been arrested for attempted murder after 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 hitting Tito Santana between the shoulder blades with a fucking pickaxe. your credit score brother <laughs> which historically he has not <laughs> <No>. <laughs> sorry I'm not trying to come for you too hard Rick oh, he, knows. he knows he knows